Ah, Nick, you uh, had this marked with his evidence, so I thought we should check it out. Uh, personally, I found the plumber's performance to be way over the top. The flashback sequence to be a tad uneven, and on the whole, the story to be quite derivative. On the skanky scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, I'll give it a 13. <laughs> That's pretty high praise. Welcome back. Hello, friends. Welcome back. It's that time again. We are on Forever Night Season 1, Episode 12, Dead Issue. <laughs> so let's talk about Forever Night, but first, hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. So our cold opening is a woman walking down the street in an extremely shiny leather trench coat. Yes. And sunglasses. And like stockings, tights. I'm trying to think of regionally what you would call these. Pantyhose. She's got black. That seems like the Michigan name for it. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. She's also got the like most 90s blonde hair where it's all clearly straightened. And then she has really short bangs, but they're all curled back. So they sort of cup her hairline. Yeah. And so it ends up making her hairline look like rounded. It's a hairstyle of the period. Yeah. It's very helmet like. What I think it's funny is she goes into the club and she takes her sunglasses off. Like it's bright outside. It's bright outside. There's like street lights. There's like street lights and shit. (laughs) She walks into this club, which is a club, maybe more than a club. I don't know. There's people dancing. There's one lady who, thanks to the low resolution video, looks straight up naked. We had to rewind it. Matt was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) To go back. Yeah. And then the lighting's better from the other side. And you can see it's like checker. Yeah. Yeah, but for a second, but she there. walks straight to the back of this club, whatever, and to this guy. Yeah, there's a guy waiting there, and he's dressed like the Fonz. He has a like zipper heavy leather jacket and a white t shirt. Yeah, and it's, it's a whole vibe. They have a real awkward kiss. It's like uh, Garrett was like, Here, let me show you. Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> he's been giving lessons. <laughs> They don't even like they mouth hover oh, yeah. each other. Yeah, they have like open mouth and it looks yeah. like there's some tongue action, but their faces aren't actually contacting. Does she not want to actually contact, kiss or something? Uh, uh, it it's was something going on, but then we cut to them like assaulting each other. Yeah. Getting into her apartment. Assaulting each other in a consensual way. Yes, in, yeah, in yeah. a consensual, intimate Aggressively way. kissing each other yeah. um, as they head to this apartment, home, 
whatever. It's a very 90s. There's like salmon colored carpeting. <laughs> she opens the door. So yeah. I, I'm so it's guessing hers. it's her apartment. Yeah. And they're like making out in the hallway. And she says, oh, just one more kiss. I'm dressed like a dirty sardine or like a rotten sardine. A rotten sardine. Which I thought that was just Amazon shenanigans because. Read the automatic subtitle transcription. Amazon must use like an AI transcription because sometimes they're way off. And so I rewound it. And nope, she's sure enough. She says she's dressed like a rotten sardine. So when sardine. things are packed together like a can of sardines, it means things are packed tightly. Yeah. So my interpretation was, oh, this dress is really tight. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, I didn't. So he's going to have to like peel her out of it like a can of sardines. Well, she peels herself. Uh, and he takes his jacket off, and he has a horribly fitting T-shirt. It's like this, yeah, this the shoulders <laughs> on this thing are like six inches way too big for him. Yeah, it's like they grabbed one off the costume rack, gave it to him because they couldn't find any other white T-shirts, and he was like, "This thing's too big." And they're like, "You're gonna be in this thing for like five fucking minutes. Nobody cares." Right. And it's like baggy and thin and really weird looking. I don't know. I was just fixated on this t-shirt and how awkwardly large this t-shirt is on this guy. And she pulls out a a tape and she's like, oh yeah, let's VHS. watch the Let's watch the tape. And she tosses it to him. And he's like... Oh, he's, he's like uh, enticing her. He's trying to ramp her up. He's yeah. like, oh, I got this thing I heard about from Eddie. Yeah, he's like, we're I gonna got this do tonight. Thing. And she yeah. says, after the tape. And he's like, nah. He just chucks the tape to the side. It's like, this, this is better than the tape. This is better than the tape. <laughs> She's like, what could be better than the tape? <laughs> <laughs> Which there's just a silhouette on the cover of the tape, like the cassette case. Right. It's like a white a silhouette of a woman with her legs like slightly apart. So we're supposed to be like, guys, this is an intimate movie. Maybe it was produced by that guy in the previous episode. Hey. <laughs> Uh, nah, he's in prison, but maybe it's his company. Who knows? I yeah. don't know. That'd have been an interesting tie-in. I was wondering if later on we get to see a little clip of the video, and I was wondering if this was a video that they got permission to show a clip of, or if they, they produced <laughs> this clip of this you know, porn movie. Yeah. For this episode of Forever Night. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That'd be interesting. I'm not sure there's a way to answer that. If anybody knows, hey, we're all ears. But it turns out the thing that he has learned about that is new and better than the tape is... Uh, asphyxiation. Asphyxiation. Uh, non-consensual asphyxiation because he just starts to choke her. And she's like, um... I'm not here for this. <laughs> and she tries to get him to stop, and he's like, "No, no, it's okay. Shh, shh. You're just gonna, relax. You're gonna, you're gonna like it when I almost kill you." Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm not saying that people can't have any kind of kink that they want, but consent and communication beforehand key. Right. Because uh, this dude just gets straight up shot. She pushes him away. Throws a vase at him. Throws a vase at him. Tells him to. Get the fuck away from her. And then we just see a gun firing and the guy's dead. It's yep. this, the standard, we only see the end of the gun. We don't see who's holding it. Right. 
which we've done, I think, in every cold opening <laughs> from Forever Night so far. Which, if they wanted to convey that she shot him, they could have given her a gun and actually filmed her with a gun shooting him. But just the fact that they separated it. Right. It, they, it leaves they obfuscated you in doubt. it. Yeah. So they would only do that if it was relevant to the plot, which means it's a surprise. Oh, yes, because every, that's fil- a twist. every filmmaking decision in these episodes is deliberate. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> um, yeah. So to quote myself, to paraphrase myself, quoting the crow from the Jennifer's Body episode bang, bang, fuck, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> If you didn't get that, you should probably listen to the Jennifer's Body episode. And then we get the intro. Bottom. Zooming over the city. Yep, doing our usual. <laughs> our usual uh, Nigel Bennett, which we're halfway through season one, so we're halfway to getting LaCroix back. It's not a spoiler. This movie, this show was really old. If that was a spoiler, look, I, I genuinely apologize, but... It's fine. I didn't spoil that much. It's been literally 30 years. It's been literally 30 years. You had time. So our usual trio is showing up as soon as we get off the intro and we're back. It's a real rapid fire. Here's Nick. Here's Skanky. Here's Stauntree. Bam, 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 bam. Yep. Nick just walks in off the frame. Skanky walks in out, out of frame on the other side. A car shows up and Stauntree hops out of the door and that's it. Our whole trio is here. Hey, standing in the street. And we must have been... There is something going on in this episode because we deliberately point out and name almost every extra that they interact with. It feels like somebody criticized the show for not having enough characters or for not paying enough attention to its background characters. And this was a tongue-in-cheek response to it. I can see that, yeah. Which I'll, I'll point it out each time because I put it in the notes. Because I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Yeah, they're having a lot of multiple sentence conversations with like every police officer that they cross paths with. Which we do occasionally. We will have a couple of um, like people that we interact with. And sometimes we see them more than once, like Norma at the front. We see her more than once. Or in Dark Knight, he interacts with another guy. His name is like Dietrich or something. And so we talked to him a couple of times. But for the most part, we've got like five characters, right? right? We've got Skanky, Stone Tree, Nick, Nat, four characters. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, it it just felt really strange and it kind of pulled me out every time we did it because it felt extremely deliberate. Like we are highlighting every single interaction with a background character. I don't know if they were just like, okay, we're 12 episodes in. We haven't made any effort in creating any secondary characters. Let's just put them all in here at once. Which I would believe if we ever did this again. But by the time we go to the next episode, we're going to be back to our usual group. And right now, we don't even really have Nat. She's not been in it for the last three or four episodes. I mean, she's in it, but she's not in it in the way she was previously. Right. Which I actually think she's pregnant right now. 
Because she has a child, and her child's born in 1993. Oh, yeah. So this yeah. would be right about right about during the filming when she's probably pregnant. Because every time we see her, she's sitting down, or we're top up in the frame, or she's behind a piece of furniture, or she's wearing an extremely loose piece of clothing. Right. Which she was actually the voice of Jean Grey in the X-Men cartoon. Wow, I and didn't know that. And she's having a baby with the guy who was the voice of Xavier. In the X-Men cartoon. Wow. Nice piece of trivia there. You're welcome. I remembered, she, and she's in like, I mean, she's the voice of Jean Grey. She's in like 80 episodes of it. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That's for you. I liked the X-Men cartoon, but I liked the Spider-Man cartoon better. Ditto. So the usual trio has shown up, and we're back to what the fuck happened. And the woman who we learn is Lynn Fiore, who we very rapidly establish is the wife of a cop. Uh, she's claiming... And not just a cop. They're like best friends. Stone Tree has a picture of him on his wall. Them like shaking hands. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's how close they are. They shake hands in front of cameras. Even though we've never mentioned him before. <laughs> He's super important and relevant in Stone Tree's life. But this woman is claiming self-defense, that this guy broke into this apartment and started choking her. And the marks on her neck yeah. reinforce her right, story. Right, because she's bruised. I mean, he, he was choking her. It was just that he didn't break into the apartment. She sort of invited him in. Right. And Stone Tree, or Skanky says offhandedly, hey, I tried contacting her husband at his cabin. Which they must all have cabins. Yeah. I tried contacting her husband at his cabin and he wasn't there. Hmm, that's weird. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Hmm. That's probably not relevant. So her neck is bruised and she claims it's from the attack. And Skanky's like, oh yeah, I totally believe it. This guy definitely would have attacked her. And Nick's like, you can't. Come on. We, oh, yeah. You're Skanky making a lot a of assumptions here. a big deal out of this because he's like, this guy looks familiar. Yeah. And Nick's like, you're making a lot of assumptions here, Skanky. And Skanky's like, you know what? I'm right about this. And when I'm right, I'm going to want an apology. And then we get this line from Skanky. He looks familiar. You always say that, Skank, and guess what? You're usually wrong. Well, here's your chance to become a wealthy man. I'll bet you uh, 50, no, 100 bucks. This guy's got a file as long as my... Skanky. Yeah, boss? Get my... Which is very well interrupted. At the very end, he's like, bet this guy's got a record as long as my, hey, skanky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Nick is in a matching suit coat and pants, which is a step up from his usual mismatched combination. Right. But he's wearing a light pink t-shirt underneath his blazer. Whatever. I like to pay attention to what if, Nick's if wearing. If you like Nick's fashion, then I'm just you, paying attention you do to, you. I'm paying attention to Nick, if you know what I mean. So then we get our flashback. Hey. We're off. Off into, into space, into the annals of Nick's yeah, This is life. a pretty quick one. Yeah, this isn't a bad in, one. In that when he comes back, it doesn't seem to have interrupted anything. Right. He's just sort of, this one isn't derailing him as much as they sometimes do. He doesn't have to go find it somewhere off in the corner of the room <laughs> as we zoom slowly in on his face. And it is Nick posing for a painting naked. With a woman. And they're behind this artfully draped sheet. 
And this is Hieronymus Bosch, and he's painting the Garden of Earthly Delights. And I know that because I have an art degree. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually seen this painting IRL in real life. And it's, but if you, I highly suggest you go look it up. It's called the Garden of Earthly Delights, and it's actually a triptych. There's three panels. And the leftmost panel is creation, Garden of Eden, the beginning. And then the middle panel, which is the one that Nick is posing for, is the Garden of Earthly Delights. It's Earth, life on Earth, our Uh, world. Loosely interpreted. Yeah. And then the rightmost panel is hell. And this painting is trippy as fuck. I highly recommend anybody look it up because it's wild. And so Nick is posing for this, which there's about a hundred figures on this painting. So I don't know which one he posed for. I'm guessing it's the guy who's looking out of his own asshole, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Actually, I think that guy's in hell. So never mind. Um, it's ironic that Nick is being painted on Earth. On like, not in hell, but in. Yeah, they may not have been thinking that deeply about it. Yeah, well, I did. <laughs> they probably didn't even realize who the painter was. They probably just had a painting on the wall, and they were like, uh, we'll use this for the set. I think it's mildly intentional. It also dates this flashback, which we don't ever get. It. We don't really get dates for flashbacks, but this is anywhere between 1490 and 1510. Okay. So Nick is... that's in, when it was being painted. Yeah, so Nick's not that old. Because he was brought across in 1228. As we hear. As we hear every single yeah. time. So he's around, what, 270? Anywhere from 270 to 300. So yeah. relatively speaking, young. Uh, but his little partner is crying. And he's like, oh, what, what troubles you? So, dear Ilsa. She's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And he's like, oh, no, no. We're going to talk about it. Because <laughs> I'm standing behind you naked. And I need to distract myself. And then we go back. And this is where we get our first weird interaction with a, like, secondary character. Because Skanky walks over and he's like, hey, Artie, forensic guy. Oh, yeah. I thought that was going to turn into something. Yeah, I know. I thought it it was Uh, weird. Because it's it's like a setup for a joke that never really... Yes. That's what it felt like. Yeah, because he's like, hey, Artie, hey. And then Artie's like, uh, what's up, Officer Shank? Well, 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 if it isn't Artie, the fascinating forensic. It's Arthur, Officer Shank. That's Detective Skanky Arthur. Nice tie. <laughs> because his name isn't Artie. His right. name is Arthur, and so since Skanky got his name wrong, he gets Skanky's name wrong, but nobody gets Nick's name wrong. Because Nick is like, Arthur, what do you, what did you find? Or he's like, oh, hey, Nick. <laughs> Everybody likes Nick. And then Nick well, goes Nick over. Well, Nick is actually uh, Personable. Yeah. And so then Nick walks over, and he's talking to another officer about what he found. And the guy's like, oh, Officer Knight. And he's like, no, no. Just call, call me Nick. Call me Nick. Oh, yeah. And he, Nick sends, like, two different cops off on errands to go do things. Yeah. Which felt weird, because Nick always does everything himself. It was odd. That's why I said it felt like somebody criticized the show for having so few characters. And they were like, fine, here's some more characters. How do you like it now? It ruins the episode, doesn't it? We're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> We're not going to do that anymore. 
Um, Stone Tree's a little too close to this one. And it's interesting that Stone Tree, who is usually our... By the book. By the book. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't recuse himself. Right. At all. In fact, he steps, just steps in the steaming pile of this investigation as much as possible. Uh, because he knows the lady's husband and he knows the husband. Uh, yeah. He, his The lady's husband is his biffle. Yeah. yeah. And we go back to the precinct. And we are back in our desk. We haven't been at this desk in a while. The desk that's right inside the door where for a long time, that was the only place mm-hmm. we filmed any interaction. Yeah. yeah. And then we had kind of moved. So in the last episode, Hunters hunted. In the previous episode, Skanky was actually at a desk like back in a cubicle. And in Cherry Blossoms, right. they've been in cubicles. Right, when he had his arm in the sling. Yeah, and in Cherry Blossoms, they're in cubicles. So we've been in cubicles, but now we're back to our center desk, which makes it feel like this episode is older in the filming sequence mm. than it's being Like they aired. may have aired them out of order. The only ripple, ripple? The only wrinkle, wrinkle story, <laughs> the only wrinkle in this theory is the skanky sideburn index. Ah, uh, yeah. It so has. Skanky, the sideburns have. Yes. He still has his significant descended. sideburns. So he didn't, he's been growing those over the course of the season. So it feels odd that he has those, but the whole, everything about this episode feels slightly older. The way gotcha. the scene, the way the set is set up, the character interaction. The way we're really pulling out all of these secondary characters, it feels like an earlier episode where we're trying out something we haven't tried out before. So, again, if you know, please let me know. Of course, this is 30 years ago, so no one's writing any BuzzFeed articles about how this was aired out of order, unfortunately. So Nick walks into the precinct, and Skanky has his skanky smirk on. And Nick's like, I know that look. Skanky's about to be really annoying. Yeah. He's Skanky's like, oh, because guess who was right? Oh, <laughs> that would be me. And guess who was wrong? Oh, that would be you. That's a good thing we didn't bet on it, huh? Let me hear those beautiful words, partner. What happened to Mrs. Fiore? Let me hear the words first. You were right. What else? And I was wrong. What? I, I, I didn't hear you, Nick. And I was wrong. You were wrong! Yes! Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And he was wrong! Hallelujah! And I was right. I was right. Where are you going? Don't you want to hear about... Um... No, huh? Hey, when I have smart him, he goes to pieces. And so he goes to a lot of trouble to get Nick to admit that Nick was wrong and Skanky was right. Yeah, like he's pushing hard for this. Yeah. To the point that it's, like, it comes off really mean. It's a little bit like... Self-centered. Let it go, okay? Let it go, Skanky. Yeah. Uh, But of course Skanky doesn't go. Let it go because then he wouldn't be Skanky. He wouldn't be season one Skanky if he could read anybody's social cues ever. Right. So 
Nick really isn't here for this conversation. He wandered into it because he made a crack about Skanky's smirk, and Skanky roped him into this conversation. Right. But he Nick- goes along with Skanky's prodding a little bit, but then he's like, He's like, look, Enough. I, I got stuff I got to do. So he just leaves and goes to Stone Tree. And Skanky's trying to keep talking to Nick, and Nick's not paying attention. And he's like, oh, He just falls apart when I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As if it's totally Skanky's. It's all about Skanky. Yeah. As if Skanky's the reason why Nick is so unfocused or so focused, really. Right. Everything about how Nick is acting is because of what Skanky has been doing. Oh, obviously. 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 But really, Nick is headed into Stone Tree's office because this woman is putting down a lot of shit and Nick is picking up none of it. And Stone Tree's like, you gotta let this go. They barely collected any evidence and Nick has already found inconsistencies. Yeah, Nick is like, um... Things aren't adding up. Things aren't adding up. And Stone Tree's like, okay, well... You need to crunch the numbers differently, make them add up, and then fucking drop it. And Nick's like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't have Butterfingers. Better yet, just drop it. Just drop it. And Nick's like, "Mm, okay, you know, I hear what you're saying. You don't want me to talk to you about this. So I'll just put it in my (laughs) official report, okay? To quote uh, Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury in The Avengers, I recognize the council has made a decision. But given that it's a stupid-ass decision, I have elected to ignore it. <laughs> that's Nick. <laughs> that's that's Nick in this episode. That's Nick's entire persona in every episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hear what you're saying, but I've elected to um, not give a shit about what you're trying to say. And he's like, you know what? I'll just put it in my official report. It's fine. It's like, I maybe, can't maybe deal with you when you're like this. Maybe Stone Tree is uncomfortable throwing his weight around to influence an investigation like this. Yeah. Because he doesn't do that normally. I think that's part of what's supposed to be. Because as, as the episode progresses and he gets more evidence, he does do what he, he ends up doing what's right. I'm guessing that his buddy was pushing him to shut down the investigation. I think it was that. And I think when he thought. That it was just Lynn had killed this guy, whose name is Charlie Gubbins, by the way. That he had killed, she had killed this guy uh, because he was an intruder. He was perfectly fine with just letting this lie. Right, just shut it down quickly so that she doesn't have to keep like reliving this trauma. Right, because Charlie Gubbins was a bad guy, bad guy, law, logistically speaking. And she is the wife of his best friend, and he just wants this all to go away so nobody has to suffer needlessly. Right. Because in his mind, Charlie Gubbins got what was coming to him. And as soon as it's implied, or as soon as Nick won't let it go, and Nick is implying that there's more to it, Dontree is stuck between having to continue to defend his friend and admitting that something has happened and that these people aren't who he thinks they are. Right. Because from Stone Tree's perspective, either Nick is pushing something unreasonable or people that he trusts have lied to him. Yeah. It's an, it's uncomfortable no matter what way you slice it. Right. 
And so Stone Tree is upset. We get our glimpse of um, time of the month, Stone Tree. <laughs> he's just yelling at Nick. He's taking his picture off the wall and just staring at it. He's having an emotional moment. And he's not really sure how to handle this because it's not a situation he ever wanted to be in. And Nick isn't helping because Nick is just like, uh, okay, I hear what you're saying, but she's a fucking liar and I'm going to prove it. Not in those words, because of course we spend a lot of of effort. Nick was not being that diplomatic. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we put a lot of effort into this episode, into showing how much nicer of a guy Nick is than Skanky. At every opportunity, we do this. And he walks out. And their motivations. Yeah. So Nick walks out, and we cut to Skanky. And Skanky is watching a video on like a TV VCR roller cart in the interrogation room. And there's somebody next to him. And as you pan out, (laughs) like every guy cop in the precinct is in this room assisting with the research right. on the content of this video cassette which means they're all watching porn together and they've been doing it based on what skinky <laughs> says afterward they've been watching this for a while yeah because nick walks in and they're all like oh snap <laughs> <laughs> nick's here and so they they all get up and leave. Nick turns the light on, and they all get up and leave because he forces them to face their the realization that they are all at work watching a intimate video together. Yeah, and so they all get immediately uncomfortable and leave, except Skanky. Except for Skanky, Skanky's like, "No, nah, the plumber wasn't that great of an actor, and I thought the plot was derivative, but other than that, I give it a thirteen out of ten. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> On the skanky scale. Uh, he says, well, you had it marked as evidence, and I do have to check out all the evidence. And Nick's like, oh, god damn it, skanky. <laughs> <laughs> and so skanky's like, okay, good. Well, we got this all wrapped up. We've already got two more cases. Let's let's go investigate those. And Nick's like... Right, like Stone Tree threw two more cases at them to yeah. keep him busy. Yeah. Yeah, they have a subway killing and a... Attempted killing at a bowling alley. And Skanky's like, all right, you ready? We're going to go investigate these. And Nick's like, you're going to go investigate those. I'm going to the video store. I've got shit to do for this case. And Skanky's like, no, no, this isn't a case. This isn't a thing. No one said this was a case. You need to drop it or you're this. You're suicidal for pursuing this. Because, hey. We haven't mentioned suicide in, oh, I don't know, like an episode and a half. So whoever does the writing for it, for this show, was just jonesing for it. So we got to work it back in. So Skanky's like, you've got to drop this. Right, Skanky is so focused on the... Politics. Yes, the politics. Yeah, the politics of this. And Nick is like... I actually don't care because A, I'm not even human. B, if I fuck this life up, I can just go get another one. It's fine. Technically, S- I'm probably not even qualified to be doing this job. <laughs> like, uh, like no, certification. He went wise. to the academy. He did? Yeah, back in the 60s. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a whole episode about it. C, I'm really, really rich. I don't even need to work. I literally don't have a reason to not pursue this. 
and I am dedicated to justice because I I want justice for my soul. So I got to find justice for everybody else too. And he says, a man who eats junk food and smokes is calling me suicidal. (laughs) He's always so judgy about Skanky's diet. (laughs) He's judgy about the way Skanky chooses to live his life and then judge others without judging himself first. Nick is like, (laughs) judge not Skanky, lest I judge you too. That's Nick's motto. Uh, But Skanky tells Nick that he's on his own. Like, you can go investigate this if you want to, but I'm out. I am out. I am so out, I'm going to borrow your car because you don't fucking need it, and I know you don't fucking need it because you (laughs) never need it. And I'm going to go to the morgue and talk to Natalie about the subway killing, and then I'll come back get you in half an hour. How about that? So Nick hands over his keys. Right. And uh, Skanky's giving himself plausible deniability. Yep. He's like, I'm going to go get an alibi. And then I'll be back. And so Nick walks into the video store, and the lady behind the counter is like, ooh, the quality of customers is improving tonight. (laughs) Very good. Quality of customers is improving tonight. What can I do for you, sugar? (laughs) Uh, But she's not happy for long because he flashes his badge. And so she gets Mr. D, the owner, out. And he's got a lizard on his shirt. That's another thing we get a lot of in this episode is random animals. So this guy has a lizard on yeah. his shirt that he's like petting. And Nick uses his eye whammy, his like hypnosis, which he hasn't used in a while. Yeah. And we only know he's using it because we hear the faint heartbeat in the background. And he gives him just enough of a nudge that this guy is helpful, but not helpful. He's like, oh, yeah, this tape. This one specific tape that I didn't even need to look at, even though it doesn't have a title on it. And I know exactly which tape it is. Uh, it was a lady. She said she found it, said she was going to bring it in, but she didn't check it out. Like, she for sure didn't check it out. She just kind of found it right. somewhere. I don't know where. Oh, no, no. He had it on his note that she found it in the basement, like, parking lot ah. of her apartment building. And she'd be by to drop it off. Yeah, and he's like, uh, Nick says, okay, well, what was her name? And he's like, wow, oh, man, I can't read my own handwriting. It's uh, Barament- Fairweather Fair- uh, something. And Nick's like, Fiori? And he's like, yeah, maybe. I guess. Yeah. Maybe. But he's helpful. He's helpful enough. But he's really actually not that helpful. But Nick doesn't have a warrant, so there's nothing more he can do. Right. So he gets ready to leave. And we cut to Stone Tree. And Stone Tree is hanging out with Tony Fiore, the husband of the lady who killed the guy. Supposedly, his quote, best friend. Unquote, his best friend. And they're having drinks. And you are not your best friend's best friend. Not in this case, he's not. And so Stone Tree is being um, super professional right now. He's advising this guy to take his wife on vacation to Mexico. Yeah. I know they keep going like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like if you were in Mexico. Yeah. And Tony's like, oh man, when this hits the tabloids, it's just going to destroy her. And Stone Tree's like, well, you know, I um, do have a press conference tomorrow and uh, my hands are tied. And Tony's like, I hear what you're saying. I hear you. There's a lot of subtext in this episode. And so we cut from there without them really, like, 
they've decided Lynn needs to go somewhere to chill, and Stone Tree implies that if they get away for long enough... It'll the, all blow over. Yeah, the preliminary hearing might not even happen. Yeah. Fine. And then we go back to Nick and Skanky, which they've just reconnected because Nick is with his car and another beat cop shows up and he's like, oh, I told the guys that was Nick's car. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy's name is Obrigo. He says it to me. He's like, oh, hey, Obrigo. Yeah. Officer Obrigo. And uh, Obrigo has some information to share to Nick. And so he's they. Like, oh, yeah. I, I did what you asked. He's like, oh, Detective here. He Knight. flips out his notebook. Life here. That's it. No, no, no. When shown a photo of the deceased, she recognized them. We don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear this. When was the last time she saw Charlie Gubbins? Uh, she saw him in the apartment hallway on two separate occasions, once waiting for the elevator. Okay, so Gubbins was casing out the joint, or he had a friend there. I mean, what's the big deal? And he's I like, I talked to the neighbors, and they said that they'd seen Charlie Gubbins before. And Skanky's... Twice. Skanky, like, sticks his fingers in his it's ears like, and he's like we no, don't need to hear this i'm not yeah he's totally like i don't i can't we should not be listening to this and skank <laughs> nick is like great skanky can you go get a warrant for the for the video store for me <laughs> and skanky's like are you fucking listening at all and nick's like la 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 <laughs> not listening <laughs> Because uh, Skanky is just he's uh, he's all in and not investigating the Fioris. right and nick is like I don't give a shit about whatever is happening here. Right. Justice well, must so be here's, done. So here's here's a situation where Skanky was picking up on the subtext, yeah, of Stone Tree in terms of the repercussions for your career, which Nick was. Uh, oh, Nick, Nick got understood. It. He just didn't care. But it's such a, it's not uh, impactful enough for him. Right. There's yeah. no consequences for Nick. Exactly. That's why. Yeah. And I don't think it's really that Skanky is picking up on something subtle so much as Skanky has been around the block a couple of times and he has seen this scene play out before and he knows what will happen to him if he's on the wrong side right. when everything finally shakes into place. And so he's trying to just stay out of it, not have an opinion, not investigate, not not investigate, just walk the center line. To the detriment of the investigation. Yeah, to the detriment of the investigation, which is really the view that everyone is expecting everyone to have. Right. They're expecting everyone to sort of not investigate this. And Nick is the only wild card. And he's so dedicated to justice that he sneaks onto the Fiori's property <laughs> and hangs out on their balcony so he can listen to them in their bedroom. Yes, he very gracefully just drops down under their balcony. He's like, I'm just going to, if I don't go inside, it's not breaking and entering. It's just trespassing. That's fine. It's mild trespassing. It's mild trespassing. I didn't walk on their grass. Hey. I just showed up on their balcony. It's fine. So he overhears a very interesting conversation because it turns out that Miss Fiori, Lynn, is maybe a little kinky. And her husband is not... She has uh, appetites. Yeah, her husband is not simpatico. 
to her needs. And so she has been getting them filled elsewhere. And he is kink shaming her. That's Yeah, there's a lot of kink shaming. A lot of kink shaming, which is rich for somebody who was watching his wife with another man. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, there was a lack of, I don't think it was a lack of communication because certainly she communicated with him about it because he knew all about it. But a lack of compassion. A lack of compassion and like, hey, I realize I'm not meeting your needs sexually. And that everyone's sexual needs, as long as pleasure is consensually derived by both parties, is valid. So I'm going to allow you to go off and seek your gratification however you desire. It's, you said you were going to love me forever. And that's a binding promise. And I don't care who you go off and sleep with, as long as you come home to me at the end of the night. Right. So that I can shame you when you get back home. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because he he was focused on possessing her. Right. He needed to keep her. He needed to have her. And from his perspective, he needed to have her under his control. Yeah. Rather than in a like self disclosing like mutually supportive relationship where you're both kind of lifting each other up. He's like, no, I need to hold on to you. Yeah. And he says, it's just cause I love you so much. And she says, I don't want you to love me. She wants out and she's saying it deliberately. She's, she asks him to please divorce her. Well, be, but he has spent so much time encouraging her to blame herself for everything that's happened, that she doesn't think she's worthy of leaving. That all of this is her fault. The fact that she can't control her, can't quote control herself and can't quote control the urges that she has. She's the one who's in the wrong, which, Hey, here's our parallel to Nick for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which Natalie points out very deliberately later. But we go back to our flashback with Hieronymus Bosch, um, which I looked at the painting for like five more minutes, a few minutes ago. And there's a guy in the bottom right hand corner who's making the weird hand gesture because Nick makes this very deliberate hand gesture. Right, when he's, when he's posing. Yeah, because Bosch gives him a significant look because he's just chatting with the woman like she's a real person, which heaven forbid. And so Nick does this thing where he reaches towards the camera. And it's a really cool shot. He does this thing with his hand. And there's a guy in the bottom right-hand corner who's kind of doing that. So if I had to hazard a guess, that may be what they were modeling it after. Okay. I'm probably ascribing a lot more thought here than there actually was, but it's okay. Kind of like to think there's more depth to things than there actually is. I do think people think more about this stuff than we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. Especially in the 90s. I know we don't always see it because a lot of times it was cut or because they had such a short format to work with. Right. But I do think they made an effort to think about these things. So I like to give them the benefit of the doubt. Or the the screen resolution would have been low enough that a lot of the details get missed. Yeah, and he's for sure not the guy who's shoving a bouquet in somebody else's ass. So You're sure about that? Um, 95%, just because of the position they're in when they're supposedly posing. Gotcha. So in our flashback, back to the flashback, 
They are hanging out by like a big plate of fruit. It's just this really large platter full of fruit. Right. And they're lounging on some cushions in these like drapey robes. And the woman, they're like sitting, joking, having a good time. And she's like, what would I have to do to get you to just squeeze a little harder and end it all? (laughs) And she puts his hand on her throat. Yeah. And Nick's like, "Um, okay, I'm going to need some elaboration here. (laughs) And she's like, well, turns out I'm a seductress and I have been leading men into sin. And, and it's like, all my fault. And it's all my fault. And he's like, bitch, have you met Jeanette? <laughs> <laughs> you think you're a seductress? No, no, I'm sorry. Not, not, no. not, no chance. None. And she's like, oh, oh, but I am. I am. And he's like, ah, uh, okay. My evil comes out even when I'm trying to keep it in. And she gets mad at Nick. She's yeah. like, I don't know why you're not, you need to go with me on this. I'm trying to tell you I'm a seductress and I'm leading men into sin. And he's like, no, you're not. What? Listen, I'm a 300-year-old vampire. I kill people on the regular. I've got insight, okay? And she gets up and leaves. And Bosch comes over and he tries to chum with Nick about this. He's trying to have like a dick-to-dick moment. Right. Where they're it's like, like, oh, she... She resists. He's like, oh, she's a little vixen. But uh, it's it's worth the effort, if yeah. you know what I mean. And Nick's like, oh. <laughs> I was pretty sure, like, at the end of this episode, I was pretty sure Nick was going to kill this guy. I'm pretty sure the only reason he didn't is because this is actually a notable historical figure whose death someone could research. Right. Yeah. That's the only reason. We don't have him kill him at the end because they are not friends. Nick looks like he wants to tear this guy's throat out for just implying that Nick would in any way uh, chum with him. Right. Like bond with him over Especially non-consensual on sex. On this content. Yeah. Con- yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. Not. Stop fucking talking to me about it. So the the parallel there is that she's guilting herself. Yeah, she's for... laying the blame for what happened to her on herself, which isn't it nice to know that 500 years ago, women were still being victim blamed and self-victim blaming, yeah. something that is not their fault. So Nick is back at the murder scene by himself, and he collects evidence by himself? Yeah, that's, there's definitely... Breaking the chain of custody there. Yeah, because there's no one to sort of witness the fact. Right, he just shows up with two bullets. Yeah, he's just like, I I pulled these out of the speaker. And they're like, oh, okay. Which he rips the speaker cover off, like, really aggressively. He's like, oh, he does his, like, angry vamp. I'm using my vampire strength thing. Which I'm pretty sure you would need that trip the, like, fabric. they, They generally pop off. Yeah, but anyway, he did it. Maybe he didn't know they popped off and he did it and he was already committed. <laughs> so he was just like, Wah! and he threw um, But he finds the bullets in the speaker and not in the wall. But she was like, they were looking for the bullets in the wall, which they wouldn't have looked. I mean, she they would have just okay, glanced she was at the wall. Standing, and there'd be no holes in it. She was standing over by the speakers. Right. No, I know. She would have shot him. So that means the bullets were coming more towards her. 
Yeah, which I know I know why the bullets were in the speaker. I'm just saying he implies that the tech spent time looking for the bullets in the wall. If there's not a hole in the wall, there's not a bullet in the wall. That's, yeah. So it doesn't take a ton of time to look over a, what, what it was probably eight foot ceilings and maybe a 12 to 15 foot wall. Right. It doesn't take that long to look over it and go, hmm, there's no holes in this wall. And there's no bullets in the guy. Right. <laughs> Where are the bullets? Where are the bullets? Which this is probably another, it was getting hush-hush. Right. Just, just don't, sweep it just, under the rug. Just don't ask. <laughs> just don't ask. <laughs> Our son says that all the time. Yeah, if he doesn't have the answer or yeah. if he doesn't want If he doesn't answer. want to talk about it, he just goes, just don't ask. So we get another beat cop, and he's bringing something in to put on Nick's desk. And Skenki's like, oh, you can just hand it over here. And he's like, no, I was told to only put this on Nick's desk. <laughs> Which feels really <laughs> contrived that Nick would phrase it so deliberately. I think it's more like these people are all friends with Nick and they don't give a shit about Skanky. Oh, yeah. And Skanky has a reputation. Yeah. So I'm they're sure. all like, no, no, it's fine. I want to put it on Nick's desk. So this guy puts the paper on Nick's desk, walks out of frame. Nick immediately walks into frame and picks the paper up yep. and looks at it. And so this is our Nat cameo for the episode. She's sitting on Skanky's desk. Uh, we see her at the picnic, too. Right. But this is our first Nat for the whole gotcha. episode. And she's sitting on the desk, on mm. Skanky's desk. Gotcha. Yeah, we just get that, like, Skanky's like, I'm going to the morgue. Right. I'll be back in half an hour. But we don't, this is our first image of Natalie in this episode. And she's only there to tell Nick that Skanky's worried about him because he's risking his career. And Nick's but like, Skanky keeps interrupting her. Nick's like, okay, well, um, Natalie, you should know more than anyone else. I don't give a shit <laughs> about my career. I mean, I do. He does in that he would like to keep working as a cop. Right. But it gives him a lot of opportunity to atone. Yeah, he doesn't in that he is not willing to compromise why he's here for his career. Those are two separate things in his mind. His This isn't path, his day job. Yeah. This is his hobby. Yeah, his career path as a police officer, he doesn't give a shit. His ability to be involved in finding and prosecuting criminals, that's why he's here. Right. So what's he doing right now? He's finding and prosecuting a criminal. He's, he's bringing someone to justice. Right. That's why he's here. Keeping his record sparkly so he'll someday be up for promotion, not, not a concern. Not even a, not even a minor concern right doesn't give especially not like a performance review for his raise right by the by the time he'd be eligible for promotion he's got a dip he's gonna be there too long he's got what seven to ten years in any given location before he's got to move on depending on how young he starts when he starts there and so this is where we get our episode title because nick goes in to talk to stone tree And he's like, oh, that's funny how your friend said that it happened like this, because here's where I found the bullets, and so it couldn't have happened like that. And so Stone Tree gives him a look like, why are you doing this? 
why are you not listening to me? And so Nick just gives him a look right back, which is like, are you a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs> right. He's like, here's, here's what I got. I'm putting it on your desk. Your move. Your move. Right. And then he walks out. And Skanky says, Well, well, well. I better start looking for a new partner. Where's that warrant for the video shop? Listen, I warned you about this. So you didn't get it? As soon as the judge found out it was for the Fiori case, he refused. He said it was a dead issue. You could learn something from that partner. As I was saying... You're not getting a warrant, Nick. Suck it up. And so Skanky actually stands up and starts pretending to be a traffic control officer. And he's like... I, I hope you like you. You better be taking notes because when oh, yeah. Stone Tree comes back, he's going to have a uniform. Stone Tree's coming back with a uniform. Yeah. Yeah. And Nick's like, "Oh, that's right. You started as a traffic cop, didn't you, Skanky?" And yeah. Skanky's so did like, some of "Toronto's finest." Like, yeah, damn proud of it. Because <laughs> you know, Nick just waltzed in and was like, "Guys, I'm a detective. I'm a detective, everybody." And he just hired himself as. How did he even get hired? He probably just walked in and hypnotized somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, and then there's another... Random character. Another NPC name drop. Another NPC, yes. That's <laughs> what feels weird. We're getting so many, like, when you talk to the NPCs in town, you're walking yeah. around a town, you're talking to the NPCs, and they all have a name. Yeah. But you don't remember, so then somebody will reference another... Some NPC will reference another NPC as part of some kind of, like, trade... Sub subquest or something right and you're like who that's what it feels like right. <laughs> like we're getting these name tags for all these npcs who are otherwise just milling around in the background creating ambiance right <laughs> because skanky is directing and do we traffic. even get the same actors for the like no the these are all officers? different people every single one of these officers well is and a different i know officer. but do we like episode to episode do we keep the extras the same for the police officers? I have no idea because it's not like we, it's not <laughs> like they're ever in enough focus that you could remember. Sure. You'd have to go back and start at season one and just like fucking take notes. I, and uh, anyway, I guess you could look it up like on IMDb because now these people all have names and the only one I remember is Obrigo. <laughs> so it was such an yeah. odd name. But anyway, Skanky is directing traffic and this guy walks into him. And he's carrying a reel-to-reel tape recorder. And Skanky's like, where are you headed? Name. <laughs> Which I don't remember. And the guy's like, well, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to set up the interrogation room because we're getting another statement from Lynn Fiore. Which he should just, he just tells that to everybody, apparently. <laughs> well, I guess it's their case. Everyone would know it was well, their for, case. First he asked, uh, first he said, Stone Tree said, we're taking another statement. And then Nick says, from who? And he says, Lynn Fiore. And Nick looks at Skanky like, now who, who's Checkmate, right? Checkmate, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> now who's right? <laughs> but let me hear you say the words. <laughs> <laughs> you should have done that. That would have been really good. Uh, she comes in, Lynn comes in, and she tells a different story this time. And so now she actually talks about, like, she went out to hook up with this guy. Yep. And then he... He wanted to, he got violent, basically. And so she, she still him. ended up shooting him in self-defense. And they're like, oh, huh. 
That sounds really good. So Nick starts asking clarifying questions, which it just immediately, he's like, wasn't it dark in there? How'd you, how'd you hit him so well? When was did he you go, facing you when you shot him? When did you oh, go I for your know. gun? And she's like, oh, I don't know. It's all kind of a blur. And he's like, mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Really interesting. And we get a little bit more flashback. We just get kind of clips of flashback. We've already established what's happened in the flashback. And so this is just very slowly pushing us towards the inevitable conclusion of this flashback. And so this is the one where she's like, I tempt mint all the time. My hair flutters in the breeze. Just my my efforts to not do it. Sometimes my ankles are visible and I can't help it. And all of these things just turn men on and I can't help it. And so and it's all my fault. And it's all my fault. And so I can't. And he's like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Like, okay, I'll, I, I'm going to help you, right? Don't do anything drastic. I'm going to help you. I, I have resources mm-hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make it better. And so she just leaves. And we go back to modern time. And Lynn is blaming herself for everything. And he's talking about it with Natalie at his house. And Natalie's sitting down again. They're on his couch. And he's like, oh, she blames herself for everything, even stuff that isn't her fault. She heaps all the blame and guilt on herself. Yeah, well, there are plenty of us who have that problem. You know what? I almost forgot your veggie drink. And Natalie's like, huh. Weird. I don't know anybody else like that. Nick. And Nick's like, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> I'm not receiving this. Yeah, I'm not I'm not receiving this negative <laughs> criticism. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. <laughs> and he has kind of a sad monologue. I mean, we get a little bit of a sad, just like state of the world. Why is everything still the same? It's been so long. Why has nothing gotten better? Which would probably be what would drive you crazy in immortality. Is you live forever and the world doesn't ever get that much better. Right. I feel like that would be the thing that would get to you in the end. Unless you're LaCroix and you're just like, I fucking love the way the world is. It's perfect. I'm glad it's not changing. Totally enables LaCroix. Yeah, it totally enables LaCroix. LaCroix's like, war? I love war. It's like an all-you-can-eat fuck a buffet. It's great. Let's have more of that. I love it. Not a problem. But for Nick, this is a big deal. Yeah. And so what does Nick always do when he's in a situation that he doesn't see his way out of? He goes to see Janet. <laughs> Jeanette, <laughs> Jeanette, please. Jeanette. <laughs> and Jeanette's like, huh. Welcome back. We didn't have a date until, oh, uh, Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're just in time, Nicola. You're just in time. And so he asks her about Charlie Gubbins. And she's like, ugh, just some low-life pond scum. Beneath my notice. But maybe... I know everything about him. Yeah. And she's like, but ask me... I just want to ask you a question. Oh, yeah? Hmm. What would you do without me? Oh, I don't ever want to have to face that. That was the correct answer. Have a really heated moment here. 
And she's wearing quite a sheer top. I like to think you're an immortal beloved because your face lights up every time we talk about oh, yeah. Jeanette and Nick together. Their chemistry is way better than yeah. Nick and anybody else. I mean, Nick and Natalie have kind of a sweet, like a flirty crush. Yeah. Energy. Nick and Jeanette have a very, we could literally right now, like just right now. Right, if... Nick was there, not on business. Yeah. And she was like, hey, you uh, you got a minute? He'd be like, yeah, sure. I got yeah. a minute. Oh, yeah. I, got, I, got I got a few minutes. Several minutes. For you. Several minutes. But she gives him, he gives her the correct answer. And because of that, she's willing to give him, throw, throw him a bone. She's like, well, one of his friends is here tonight. Because who doesn't show up at the Raven? And she directs him over to... Morgan Delinsky, who's Mr. D, the lizard guy from the porn store. The adult video store. The adult video store, thank you. I was trying to think of a, surely there's a better word than porn. The adult video store. And he's standing next to a guy who has a ferret on his shoulder. Well, the guy with the ferret, he's just like backed up, leaning on a pole, just staring off in a direction and stroking his ferret. ferret. Which is not a euphemism. Not a euphemism. It literally is a ferret. And so he asks, he pulls... Delitzky away. And he immediately lawyers up, which um, you should do. Just Absolutely. Life, yep. life tip, pro yep. tip. Police take you in, always ask for a lawyer. Just grab that lawyer and clearly request a lawyer. It's your right. Doesn't imply guilt. It and just the, means you're the exercising your right. are not always there for you. Yes. Not always. But sometimes. In this case, they're not there for Mr. D. No. No. In fact, Nick's like, okay, yeah, do the lawyer thing. That's fine. So he gets up and leaves, and Skanky's like, are you seriously just dipping? You're, you're leaving right now? You brought this guy in. This guy brought a lawyer, and now you're leaving? And Nick's like, bah, he'll sign a statement. Either that or we bust him. Don't worry about it. Yeah. He just leaves. And in our flashback, Ilsa has poisoned herself. So, hey, 90s. Hey. Suicide. Another one. Oh, my God. We should have kept a tally. I have a tally of people that Nick has exposed himself to. I feel like I need a tally of times that we've resorted to this as a cheap way of um, eliciting Adding drama. depth to the Adding drama. Depth, yeah. yeah. Um, and Hieronymus Bosch gets kind of a dick line. Where he's like, ugh, she used poison because it's cheap. Just like yeah. a woman. I and guess I'll have to pay to bury her. And Nick gets a really sad line. He says, of course you didn't trust me. I'm a man. Yep. Yeah, because he shows up, because he's there. He's, like, ready to help her out. And yeah. he touches her, and she's already dead. Yeah. I mean, he was, he had found something out. That's what he was coming to tell her, is he had, he had resolved something for her. But yep. she'd already, because she didn't trust that he meant it when he said he was going to help her. Yep. Because he was a man, and she had no reason to trust men. Which is another thing that hasn't changed, is a lot of women feel like they don't have a reason to trust men. Yeah. Which, I'm not a guy, so I can't imagine how that feels, but it can't feel great no. to feel like the um, inadvertent aggressor right. in every situation, whether you are or are not. Right, There, there's a... There's a lot of effort in not in deliberately 
not being interpreted as uh, being a creep. Mm. Like the ogle statement. You can glance, but you can't stare. Because one's okay, but one's an ogle. Right. That makes sense. I imagine that's a lot of uh, overhead to keep up with. Yeah. But I'm glad you do. Yeah. I mean, I'm not glad you have to, but I'm glad that's something you're conscious of. All right. So Skanky is doing his patented at this point. Sneak into a room he's not supposed to be in. <laughs> because he needs something from Stone Tree's office and Stone Tree's door oh, yeah. is open. Uh, Nick sent him in there to go get the picture. Yeah. For the interrogation. And so Skanky, who is really just... I bet Nick knew Stone Tree was on the way. <laughs> Skanky does his look around, like, I'm just going to pop in here for a minute. He pops in. He finds the picture of Skanky with Tony Fiore. And he's walking out of the room with it, and Stone Tree walks up. And Skanky's like, oh. oh hey. What are you doing with that? Hey. Hey, Stone Tree. I could explain. And then we they shut the door and we cut. Leaving right, us. And we don't know what's going to happen at this point. We don't know if Stone Tree is going to just go straight after Nick for like invading, sending Skanky to invade his personal space and take one of his personal effects. So they kind of leave it ambiguous about, okay, what are, what are yeah. the repercussions going to be for Skanky and what are the repercussions going to be for Nick? And as always, there's no repercussions for Nick. There's never repercussions for Nick. And I think we're supposed to be left in doubt also about where Stone Tree falls. Who is Stone Tree going to side with Right. in this? Is he going to be a good witch or a bad witch? Right. Yeah, they're yeah. leaving it ambiguous up to the last minute about um, if Stone Tree is just going to double down on defending his friend. Yeah. So Nick shows up at Fiori's house. That's where he's gone off to. And Lynn is home, and she answers the door. And she's really just like, I am super fucking over this. I came back. I made a second statement. I need you to just leave me alone and nick is like i hear what you're saying but you's a liar i know you didn't shoot him i know you didn't shoot him and, and i'm, I'm giving you a truth. chance yeah to amend your second statement okay and then we cut back to the precinct and mr d is singing like a canary just like Nick predicted. Yep. And he says someone came in and fed him the story that he fed Nick about finding the tape in the parking lot. And yep. he describes Tony Fieri and they show him a picture and he immediately identifies Tony Yes, Fieri. that's the guy that paid me money to falsify this story. Yeah. And the guy that rented the tape. And threatened to bust him. Which apparently yeah. everybody does. <laughs> and so Skanky does the let it, you know, let the record show that he has just identified Tony Fiore. Inspector. And then we cut back and at first it seems like Lynn is talking to Nick, but she's actually talking to Stone Tree. Because Stone Tree has left 
Oh, yes. Yes. Stone Tree went to the house. Yeah. And Lynn is wearing this, like, satiny pink bathrobe. And I thought, dang, Nick keeps talking to people when they're in their bathrobes. He's really got to stop, like, accosting people in the well, middle of the night. But it's keeps, not. That's his work, normal work shift. I know. But it's not Nick that she's talking to. It's right. Stone Tree. Yes. And he's trying to hold it together and tell her that she's not guilty of murder. Because now Stone Tree knows that yeah. she did not shoot him. He's like, look, I, shoot, I get uh, it. Tony's my guy. friend, too. But the truth is what matters here. She's like, okay, well, just let me go get dressed. And then we cut back to Nick. And Nick is with Nat. And they're at the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this is, is the scene when I was she's eating. Of. Yeah. They're in the morgue. And I don't know why Nick is now at the morgue and Stone Tree's at Lynn's house. But let's just take it for rope. Because now Natalie is eating. And they were chatting or something because they call Nick there and tell him Stone Tree's missing. We don't know where he went. Shit's gone down. We need your help. And, and right before the phone call, Nick is telling Natalie that he's worried. Like he knows the amount of guilt she's piling on herself. Yeah. And he's worried about what she's going to do with that. Because of the flashback. Um, and so Nick, after Natalie asks, like, huh, tell me more. Uh, Nick's like, I'm worried she's going to, like, kill her and her husband. Yeah, or her husband's going to kill her or what? I'm, yeah. I'm afraid something's going to happen here. Yeah. And it's really cute because when Nick's on the phone, Natalie's still eating and she has to, like, wrap her hand around the phone cord to eat. Yeah. Which is really cute. Uh, I like their little, we spend so much time together. Their intimacy. That we have a lot of casually intimate gestures. Yeah. And I love the way they put those in there because it gives us the effect of them being really close without having right. to They're show them together on the screen. Other. Yeah. And so he hangs up the phone or she, he like shoves the phone at her and she drops her. <laughs> Like drops her. She's fork. fumbling her food and yeah. her. And she hangs up and turns around and is like, "What was that all about?" And we just hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the caption just said "whoosh." Whoosh, because of course Nick is. She turns around from hanging up the phone, and Nick's gone. Yeah, Nick was donezo. He finished his phone call. He didn't have. He wasn't sticking around to eat, so he had stuff to do. He just pulled the Batman. Literally flew out of there. He whooshes out of the room. After hearing that Stone Tree ran off to confront Tony. And Tony Stone Tree's really trying to handle this all peacefully. He's like, look, I tried to sweep it under the rug when I thought it was one way. And then when evidence was leading us in another direction and I have this really obnoxious detective who just wasn't <laughs> listening to me, I kind of had to go with it. And I'm glad I did because we found out a lot. And like, I'm not judging you. Shit happens. Let's just... Let's just handle this all peacefully. Right. Let's just clear the air. We'll sort everything out. Yeah, it's fine. It's and fine. And Tony's like, don't you realize how bad this makes me look? Right. Because oh, that was no. the consideration. Um, right. You know what also makes you look bad? The fact that you had a second apartment that you didn't actually live in. It was just your wife's fuck pad. And you were there hanging out, watching you, her with her buddies. Right. You knew about it. And you would sit there and watch, like, to keep an eye on her, which ostensibly to protect her, because yeah. he says, 
he killed the guy because he got violent. Yeah. He was going to hurt her. It sounds a little bit to me like the kinky kettle is calling the kinky pot black. <laughs> I told Rachel, there's a lot of sexual repression vibes coming off of Tony. Oh, yeah. A lot. And yeah. a lot of just like wounded male ego. Yeah. He can't give her what she wants. There's Maybe he can't perform. It happens to some. There's medication for that. Penetrative sex isn't the only kind of sex. You're right. I was about to follow up that there are also alternatives to your own equipment. Yes. All right. But we're getting into a book talks with Kate if we wander too far. <laughs> to that. Oh, the phone is ringing. And Stone Tree's like, that'll be the precinct, Tony. I got to pick it up. He walks over to pick it up. And Tony knocks him out. Well, behind Stone Tree's back, Tony pulls a gun out. And um, Lynn sees it. And Lynn's like, oh, man, he's going to shoot me. But then he grabs it by the barrel and pistol whips. Yeah, pistol whips. Stone Stone Tree. tree. And then takes him out and puts him in this shady-ass van. Right. Like, you you just... Had just, like a you just full you size own, van. You own the free candy van, and nobody um, was like shits up with this dude. It's like a black full size van with no with windows. tinted windows or no windows. No windows. Oh yes, and then the there's no walls. seats, so he just like dumps Stone Tree in, and Stone Tree's just laying in the back, it's conveniently empty. They're like, hey, Ready you know that police guy, the police officer that drives the like really creepy, the really creepy van, van? which. At the time, this is a new van. It looks creepy to us because this is like the Akana line, the right. like old nasty Akana line that we've seen in horror movies a million times now. But this was a newish van at the time. In fact, my car, family car growing up was an Akana line van, extended Akana line van. That's why it had two gas tanks. However, it was not black and right. it had actual windows. And as far as I know, no bodies ever got transported in it. Um, well, uh- I mean, alive human bodies going someplace. I guess Stone Tree is technically an alive human body going someplace. So he's just a passenger. I don't know. However you want to slice this. Stone Tree is it, non It's a passenger if it's consensual. Yeah, I was gonna say, he's non-consensually <laughs> riding in this van. Uh, and they're headed, who knows, somewhere. Because he sends Lynn off in Stone Tree's car. He's like, take this down to the beach. Take this down to the beach and take a taxi back. Yeah, just just dip with this. And she heads off like they've done this before. That's the implication mm. I'm getting. Because she pulls off to the side and she just starts crying about how she can't do this again. She can't go through it again. And so somebody pulls over. Must be Maybe it's one of our cops I, that we've met in this episode. So, yeah, it looked like she was pulled over in a weird spot. And a police officer came by. This is right after Nick says we need to put out an APB. Yeah. But it seems they, there's no implication of time passing. So it feels like somebody just, a cop just pulled over yeah, to check she's, on she's this parked, car. She's like parallel parked, parked in a driveway. Right. That's why. Um, yeah. So Nick and Skanky go to the Fiori's house. And Skanky's like, man, Stone Tree's missing. That's weird. He could be back at the precinct or whatever. And Nick's like, he's not. <laughs> we need to put out an APB. And Skanky's like, why? And Nick goes, there's fresh blood on the plant. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. Which reminds me of there's an episode of Moonlight, which we talked about last episode, where he's been hired to find this woman. And so he walks in and he like touches this like spot of blood and like puts it up to his nose. <laughs> and he's like, this is her blood. And they're like, oh, how, how did you know that? And he's like, there's estrogen in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're like, okay. Dude, you gotta, half the planet is female. You, you got to pretend. You gotta, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, specifically, this woman was here. They knew she was here, so they know it's her blood because whatever. I mean, there's there's plot reasons why that he has to believe this was her blood, but nobody can actually smell the estrogen content of a blood sample if you're human. So maybe right. don't throw that out. So Nick just is a, like, there's blood on that plant over there. How can you tell why I smelled it as soon as I walked in? Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm getting the sense that this is a cycle and she's done with this cycle. And Nick is also getting that sense because they're interrogating her and she's like, yeah, I really don't know where they could be. It's weird. I don't know. I, I, I left. I, I was upset. I, I don't know. I don't know. What, what? I don't know. And Nick's like, oh, but you do know. He's done this before. You know where he's going. And then Nick and if you totally don't tell us, her. if you don't tell us, you're guilty for Stone Tree dying. And that convinces her. Right. Because she's already primed to right. receive she's, that. Right. Yeah. She's been trained. Yeah, she's been trained. To respond to that. To respond. And Nick uses it. It deliberately, I think. To get Captain Stone Tree's location. Right, because it's so time critical. Because, yeah, because Stone Tree's in danger. He took the games too far. He was going to hurt her, my wife. Till death do us part, Joe. Lynn and me, we stick together. Because if she doesn't, you kill her too. Right. And it turns out he's at a warehouse, which is our go-to. There just must be warehouses lying about Toronto, <laughs> un unsupervised, and well, it's nighttime. open for all, anyone all to use home. for nefarious activities. Because anytime we need any kind of a shady location, we go to a warehouse, and there's always steam and pipes and shit, and catwalks and we've convoluted dumped, pathways. We've dumped whole ass bodies. We've dumped cars. We've done lots of stuff in warehouses up to this point. And now we're holding Stone Tree captive in a warehouse. And Nick gets there first, of course. Of course. And he uh, what, he like He's, rattles something. He must be open something like a window or something to yeah. get in. And so Fiori hears it. And then Nick just slowly descends onto this catwalk. As uh, Fiori is shooting at him. Right. And then he jumps and drifts. Down to the ground. Yeah. In front of Stone Tree and Fury. Stone Tree and Fury. Add two to the counter. And then Fury Fury starts shooting at Nick. And Nick just stands there while Fury shoots at him. Yeah. So he's really trying hard to maintain his human persona in this moment. (laughs) He is, and I'll tell you why, because he's not growling at anybody. Right, he yeah, he's yep. he's holding back. He has not gone vampire face. Yeah, we got no no contacts and no fang makeup. He was Nick face, 
the whole way through this. Because he was like, I'm going to look human. He's growing as a person. I'm going to look human while I do this. Humans can drift down. I mean, they can't fly, but they fall slowly, right? Don't they fall slowly? Humans can jump off a 30-foot catwalk. Yeah. And and they're fine, right? Human terminal velocity is super low. It's fine. It's like a squirrel. A squirrel can't fall and die. A squirrel can't fall fast enough to die from impact. It has to starve (laughs) to death on the way down. Humans are the same. It's fine. It's fine. And so... Nick gets Stone Tree out because Fiori's run, because he's out of bullets, because he shot at Nick and Nick didn't do the thing where he uh, pretended to care that someone was shooting at him. <laughs> oops. So, a little oops. oversight. Eh. Also, Fiori dips and he frees Stone Tree and Stone Tree's like, no, no. no Nick's I'm, like, I'm going to go get him. And yeah. Stone Tree's like, no, this no. fucker is mine. You go around back. And Nick's like, I've been waiting to hear those words all day. I, hey, you took my line. <laughs> like, I was going to anyway. <laughs> so Stone Tree heads off to get his friend. Nick just goes out and stands in the alleyway and listens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. And it feels like this was edited together badly. Yeah, I don't Because know. Stone Tree, like every time we cut to Stone Tree, Stone Tree is closer to Fiori. Yeah. And every time we cut to Nick, Nick's just standing in the alleyway listening. Right. I think he's trying to give Stone Tree this opportunity. Mm. And so Stone Tree is slowly approaching his friend on this catwalk and reading him his rights. He's and like, man, Fiori's you're under arrest. holding the gun out at him. Yeah, and so Fiori shoots at him, shoots him in the leg. And they get him. Stuff happens. They get Fiori. And then... Uh, Nick drops in from the ceiling. Yeah. Stuff happens. They get Fiori. (laughs) (laughs) The huge. Nick shows up out of some improbable location. But it's okay, because Stone Tree was distracted by the, fuck, my leg. (laughs) So it's cool. And then Skanky and Nick help. Like, (laughs) Stone Tree has been shot in the leg. Right, and they're and just calmly of, walking, chatting. Instead of waiting for him to get taken out of the building by, like, oh, I don't know, emergency medical professionals, they're just like, I'll take an arm if you'll take an arm. <laughs> <laughs> they walk him out of this and building. And Stone Tree is, like, so much taller than them. Right, so they're trying to that make this work. they're almost not holding him up. It's kind of awkward. And uh, Nick is like, wow, that was ballsy stone tree stone tree's like you don't understand we were friends i would have died for him and skanky goes you almost did yeah and i thought this was the end of the episode but surprise we get a lot of wrap-up this episode we get a lot of like post uh, we get a lot of uh denouement yeah so we had our Rising action, we had our cliche, or our cliche. Climax. (laughs) (laughs) That was a Freudian slip. (laughs) We got our climax, and we get a lot of denouement. We get a lot of, like, post-action action. action. Um, Because there's a picnic. There's, like, a chummy around. Hey, we just caught the bad guy. It's like the company picnic. Captain. Yeah. Yeah. You'd think they'd have canceled it if, like, a significant member of their organization had just been convicted of murder. And it felt like... Time had passed. He'd been retired. I think time had just passed. I think this isn't as close to... Or he was in a different division or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, It felt like he wasn't part of, like, Stone Tree's power structure. 
Yeah, because Natalie is calling Nick, and he picks up the phone. She's like, oh, you're finally awake. And he's like, uh, barely. <laughs> Even though he's already had like a glass of He's dressed. He's, <laughs> he's yeah, dressed. Yeah. <laughs> he's drinking blood. He's like, yeah, I'm like a little bit awake. <laughs> and she's like, well, you're missing the picnic. And he says, uh, I think it would ruin the mood if I started to smolder. <laughs> How's the picnic? It's great. There's only one thing missing, though, you. Well, I think it would spoil the fun if I started to smolder between the hot dog and the ice cream courses. Oh, hey, it's almost sunset. You could come over now. I don't think so, Nat. Oh, come on. Everybody's asking about you. Gee, I wonder where Nick is. See? Oh, I don't know. Oh, all right. I'll be there shortly. Just, Everybody, just stand next to the barbecue. <laughs> yeah, she's like, it's almost... I know, just stand next to the barbecue. <laughs> no one wants that smell. Is it Nick or is it the, bar- the burgers? I don't know. <laughs> uh, so she's like, it's almost sunset. Come on. Come on, it's fine. So he shows up. He's like, okay, sunset. fine. He's like, I'll oh, be there. Okay, twist my arm. I'll come, be- I'll come hang out at the picnic. So he goes to hang out at the picnic. And at first he's staying next to Skanky. And Skanky offers him some food, and he's like, look, not for me, thanks. <laughs> Never even just holds food. He's always just like, I can't even be near this shit. Please don't put it in my face. And he's wearing the inverse of his previous outfit. Now he's wearing a light suit jacket and light pants and a black shirt. That's his casual wear. His casual wear. <laughs> and we also get some flashback wrap-up. Where he's talking to Bosch, which is where we thought he was going to kill him. Yes. And he doesn't. And he's just like, this dude's shit. And that's the end of the flashback. Yeah. And so Nick and Natalie are kind of chummy, sitting really close to each other on this picnic table. And Nick's like, it just really sucks that nothing seems to change for women. And she's like, well, stuff has changed. I mean, I can be a doctor now and everything. I can hold a degree. I can live alone. (laughs) I can do lots of stuff women couldn't have done back then. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's fair. Although you are kind of uh, annoying sometimes. (laughs) Your independence often interferes with my independence. And that makes me feel frustrated and threatened. Yeah. And Natalie's like, why don't you love me anyway? And he's like. I do, though. (laughs) So they have like a moment and they do a lip kiss. And Matt was like, oh, man, they kissed on the lips. And uh, my personal feeling on that is Nick would kiss anybody on the lips. He'd kiss Skanky on the lips if Skanky would let him. He's just super touchy Nick is so touchy-feely. He is always grabbing people, like suspects. He is European. He is, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's different in Canada. Maybe that's my weird, like, I don't touchy, touchy, no, no, thank you, thank you. Um, But he just, he does, he touches everybody. So it's a little bit platonic, even though it's... Yes, yeah, it does come off a little platonic. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be... Not like his kiss with Jeanette. Yeah, which is never platonic. Right. But the energy there is so much different. Yeah. They just look at each other and you're like, they want to get it on. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. It's a testament to those two actors. Yeah. So how did you feel about this episode? This was a... It was all right. It was... Interesting episode. I kept getting pulled out by the weird acknowledgement of the NPCs. Now that we've called them NPCs, that's what they are in my head. So sorry. That's just going to go with it. We had like... Instead of having like one plot twist, it was like... 
Twist. Three plot twist. twists. Yeah. But they were all fairly obvious. Right. Um, but it was... It was, it was they, they addressed a lot of, like, kink-shaming Still better than Dead Air. The one where the guy was murdering women on the radio station. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See? You didn't even remember it. It's that bad. It's nice to know that Nick has been at least consistently like a female ally. Yeah. Throughout his 800 years. Um, sort of. <laughs> when when he's in his, you, know, you, you said he goes through valleys and yeah, peaks, peaks of and morality. And so when he's at his most moral. Yeah. Which is, it's good to know he equates being kind to everyone. Male including and women. Yeah. yeah. With morality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because as far as we know, up to this episode, episode 12, Nick is consistently an ally uh, for women throughout history. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. I think it's next episode where we get that belief shattered. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we can hold it for now. Let's just, okay. let's just, let's clutch that, that warm glow, <laughs> that warm glow for another episode that or. For one other week until we get to episode 13, which is Father Figure. It's coming up next. We're getting into, we're, we're more than halfway through season one. So I'm getting excited. I like season one. I like all of, I like Forever Night. But my go-to rewatch season isn't season one. Right. It's usually season, season two. two. So I'm excited to get into territory where I consistently enjoy each episode right i'm i'm looking forward to lacroix i am looking forward to lacroix i think I've, forever i've seen a lot of episodes where lacroix is just monologuing on the radio <laughs> you're like and... this to me is forever night i have never seen this bullshit before right. because i don't put on season one very often because i really feel like the show is finding its footing in season one which happened a lot during this era where season one tonally would be so much different from Season and two would, and on word. It would take so long for the writers to get feedback from the fans when the internet was right. in, in its infancy. And this is pre-writer strike, like deep pre-writer strike. So yeah. you also didn't get the same quality writing because writers weren't getting the same recognition they get now. Right. It's a little, it's a combination of things. Um, but of course, of course I enjoy these episodes as much as we laugh about them. I love, I love, love it. I just love it. It's comfortingly shallow sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to, it challenges you enough that I feel like if I wanted to think really deeply about this episode, I could. And if I wanted to just watch it and be like, that dude's an asshole, and then move on with my life, I could do mm -hmm. that too. And I love that, that I don't have to sit here and parse out every character's intentions because I'm going to have to see the fruits of those intentions 12 episodes from now. I'm not, we're never going to reference anything that happened in this episode. Right. This, this isn't a like 10 part mini series where every five minutes of every episode has connections to other sections of other episodes. Right. Which has its long convoluted plots, which has its place. They do have their place. And yeah. is occasion is enjoyable. And I understand that the vast majority of the population prefers their television shows like that. I like a monster of the week. I like a novella, which is what these feel like to me. Yeah. I like a I'm in, I enjoyed it, and I'm done. 
and that's fine. And they're great. They're like some uh, Ice Planet Barbarians is another good example of that. <laughs> it's good. The plot carries on from episode to, from book to book. But if you just wanted to read one book, you wouldn't be too lost. You'd enjoy it. And you move on to the next one. And it's nice because I think in life you have to keep track of so many things. At day to day, I have to keep track of so many small details and minutia and I have to think about intentions and what I'm saying and the possible consequences of every action and when I watch TV I don't want to engage the same parts of my brain that I do all day long doing that I want to sit and enjoy a narrative I want to see that narrative concluded and then I want to move on except when you're watching Forever Night with me well, this is part of me engaging and moving on. <laughs> this is one of our longest Forever Night episodes. Yeah. Yep. So I guess we'll wrap it up. We don't have any news, really. You covered the news at the beginning. I did. We're splitting the pod. That's relevant. You should follow me on Instagram if you're concerned that you're going to start missing updates. Is it going to be like Strange and Beautiful Presents? Uh, it'll be all under or. the Strange and Beautiful Network. Okay. Yeah, but I'll be—I'll make sure I—I I put links and everything everywhere I can. Which usually this is where Matt says. Link in the show notes. Thank you. Um, I'll put links everywhere. I, I'm not going to hide it from anybody. I mean, that'd be dumb. <laughs> it's not going to be a mystery for very long. I'm—I'm I'm going to get it all out there for everybody. Um, we do have a Patreon. Highly recommend everyone go and join the Patreon because we have three Patreons. Three loyal, devoted Patreons who we deeply appreciate. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Rachel. And Rachel. Uh, we just don't say hi to Rachel as often because she's not on our Discord. But she could be. She's just not. I mean, she's a high enough tier. So, Rachel, she you could go join our Discord, Discord and then you can talk to, to Ryan. Maybe. And then we'll have fan interaction. It'll be great. Uh, the Instagram is slowly growing. I'm working on it. My social media skills are highly tuned. Not at all. <laughs> uh, but I'm working on it. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun doing all of this. So it's really great. I'm really happy to be here with you, honey. Ditto. We also have... Um, some reviews and stuff on Apple podcast now, which is really exciting. So if you want to go over to Apple podcast or any place where you can rate us, please do like, like Apple podcasts and stitcher and Spotify and Spotify. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can rate us five stars on any of those. Um, it helps. It just helps get our name out there. Helps get our podcast higher up in the list. Show up works in search results. Yeah. It works the algorithm so a little bit. It's easier for other people to find us. Yeah. And you know, as much as we enjoy just chatting with, whoever it is we're chatting with. It's fine. I'd, I'd love it if we talked to more people too. If we got more feedback, we could really hone what we're doing, make it better. I'd love right. to be able if to do that. If there's something stylistically that we're, that we could be doing better or differently. Then yeah. I'd love to hear about it. I would. Absolutely. You can email us if you don't want to do any of the above. You just want to email us at the hosts at strange and beautiful book club dot club. No, strangeandbeautiful.club. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've been talking for like two hours. The hosts at strangeandbeautiful.club. Uh, that will go to us. 
I know it sounds strange, but it's possible to have the website, strangeandbeautiful.club. And that's us. There are links are there too, as is our submission form. I updated our submission form, so you have the option of giving me a name so I can give you credit. If you don't want to do that, it is optional, or you can just put a dash or whatever. Um, but that way, if you have something that you submit and you really want to make sure you get credit, I can credit you. Yeah, so you can please, drop your name in the pot. Yeah, I'm happy to drop names. Uh, and I guess that's pretty much it. We'll be back tomorrow with another Book Talks with Kate. And this is a sci-fi week, so our movie will be a sci-fi movie. I put a teaser picture up earlier on Instagram. If you want to go over and guess what it might be, if someone actually guesses, I will shout their name out on the pod. I also posted a reel of Pippin cleaning my hand for a minute and a half. So I really feel like I'm winning Instagram today. If anybody wants to go watch a minute and a half video of Pippin licking my hand, it's on there. You can do it. All right. Uh, remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye. Don't mind me, not my mind just wandered. How far? How long ago? happy to be here happy to be here with you honey ditto